Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm going to be sharing an amazing Metropolitan Masterpiece with you today. Just a quick reminder before the episode starts, all sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find a link in the episode description as well as on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Last year, the Gulfstream by Winslow Homer was at the center of a major exhibition at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It was the largest critical overview of the artist, his life, and his works in about a quarter of a century. Prior to hearing about this show, I knew very little about Homer and his paintings. I was struck by the painting, the Gulfstream, the drama, and the story it was telling. I knew it was the perfect piece to include in this season of the podcast because it truly is a metropolitan masterpiece. So, to learn more about the Gulfstream, keep on listening. Gulfstream is a strong, horizontal work and is divided into three registers. The top register features a stormy sky and a ship barely visible on the horizon. The middle and largest register features a lone figure on a small boat. The mast has been snapped off and his entire body takes up the deck of the ship. He wears no shirt or shoes and the viewer can almost believe he's having a relaxing day out on the water if it wasn't for the broken boat. A few stalks of sugar cane sit next to him, likely his only food source on the open ocean. The bottom register is hands down the scariest. That is because it's filled with angry sharks. They are almost camouflaged by the water, but once they are seen, they cannot be ignored. Even worse, there are hints of blood in the water. Could it be from the figure's shipmates? There's no clear explanation, but it certainly is haunting. For those who don't know, the Gulf Stream is a warm and fast Atlantic Ocean current that starts in the Gulf of Mexico, where it gets its name, and runs through the Straits of Florida up the eastern coastline of the United States. So why did Homer choose this name for his painting? Well, it's known that the artist crossed the Gulf Stream from the United States to the Bahamas many times. He would spend winters there, escaping the cold of home in exchange for the warmth of the tropics. Not only was the weather more agreeable, but it provided Homer space to explore with his style and heal from the death of family members. The area became a refuge for the artist and a symbol of his expression. The first way that Homer used symbolism in this piece was as a personal emblem. The work was painted in 1898, only a few months after Homer's father died. Understandably, the artist felt slightly lost and perhaps confronted by his own mortality. It's possible that he viewed himself as the single figure, lost at sea and uncertain of his own future. As a viewer, we can feel the vulnerability that Homer was feeling at this exact moment. However, personal symbolism isn't the only element of this painting. At the time Homer painted this, the late 19th century, the United States was in a strong period of transition. Only 30 years before, the country was embroiled in the Civil War. Following an armistice, the former Confederacy in the South underwent a reconstructive period to try and build up the area and the economy. But on the other hand, the US government was in a strong imperialist mood. Of course, leaders like Theodore Roosevelt preferred the, quote, similar but different term of expansionism. Essentially, the United States believed it had the right to intervene in other countries' affairs under the guise of aid, but the actual reason was to expand territorial holdings. This was seen as a larger part of the legacy of westward expansion and slavery. In this work, Homer is making a statement about all of the above topics. The tempest of United States aggression combined with the fragility of human life are both depicted throughout the piece. But by painting a rescue ship in the hazy background, Homer's reminding us that there's always hope for a better future. Next, I'm going to dive into more about Homer and his works, but first, let's take a quick break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. 
They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi there, this is Annalisa, the founder of Accessible Art History. Thanks for tuning in today. As a part of my mission, I work to provide free quality art history content for anyone who is curious. But if you'd like to support Accessible Art History, you can find the link to my Patreon for monthly support or buy me a coffee for a one-time donation. If you do decide to donate, please let me know so that I can give you a shout out on a future episode. Thank you for listening and let's get back to our episode. All right, now that we're back, let's dive into exhibitions of the Gulfstream. In 1900, Homer sent his work to be shown at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. Photographs both before and after the exhibition show that Homer decided to rework some of the painting, his edits mostly centering around the ocean and the ship. After it left the Academy, the Gulfstream was sent to the Carnegie Institute in Pittsburgh. Curators were so taken by the piece that they offered Homer $4,000 for it. In today's money, that would be equal to about $100,000, but he turned them down. Five years later, in 1906, the Gulfstream was exhibited at the National Academy of Design in New York City. Reviews were mixed, with some people saying this piece was overly melodramatic and that the sharks seemed to be smiling too much. Regardless, all the members of the Academy's juries asked the Metropolitan Museum of Art to purchase the piece. The museum used the Wolf Fund to purchase the work, and it's still in the collection today. When looking at the Gulfstream, another famous American painting comes to my mind. It's called Watson and the Shark and was painted by John Singleton Copley in 1778. I put an image of it on the blog, so make sure to check it out. Showing the harrowing story of a shark attacking 14-year-old Brooke Watson, audiences quickly connected the two works. Homer was inspired by the composition, but the shark's features vary greatly. This is because Copley had actually never seen a shark in real life, while Homer was familiar with the creature's anatomy. However, as clear as the connection is, Homer clearly struck out to create his own work. In Copley's, the sense of doom nears its end. The team is working together to rescue young Watson but the lone figure in Homer's work is all alone. He hasn't yet spotted the potential rescue ship, and it might be too far away to even help him. There's an ambiance of despair throughout this piece, perhaps Homer's own feelings permeating it. So who's the man behind the Gulfstream? Winslow Homer was born in Boston, Massachusetts on February 24, 1836. He was the second of three sons in the Homer family, and both sides had deep ties to New England. Homer's mother, Henrietta Benson Homer, was an amateur watercolorist and taught her son at home as his first art teacher. Homer's father considered himself a businessman and always was out to find the next, quote, guaranteed get-rich-quick scheme. Outside of art, Homer was just an average student. But after high school graduation, his father was able to secure him an apprenticeship working in a lithographic study. Homer was clearly talented at this craft and was even offered a full-time job. But he didn't want to answer to a boss about what he could and couldn't do artistically. So he opened up a studio in Boston as a commercial printmaker. He found success for over 20 years. In 1859, Homer moved to New York. A few years later, the Civil War broke out in the South and Homer began to gain fame as a painter of war scenes. This is where his reputation as a painter would take off. Over the next decades, Homer's nature scenes of New England became famous as both prints and paintings. He also started doing painting scenes of ordinary people as he was fascinated with the roles they played in society. As his fame grew, Homer desired more and more solitude. This is when he traveled abroad to both Europe and the Caribbean. After returning home, he moved to Maine, where he would live out the rest of his life. He continued to paint and teach, telling one student in 1907, quote, leave rocks for your old age. They're easy to paint. Winslow Homer died on September 29, 1910, at the age of 74. He left a legacy of deep emotion and bold brushstrokes that still resonate with audiences today. The Gulfstream is a multidimensional work. It tells a story of a lone survivor of a mysterious shipwreck while creating commentary on history and personal grief. This painting truly deserves a title of Metropolitan Masterpiece. Make sure to tune in next week when I discuss Van Gogh's At Eternity's Gate.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history and at metropolitan.masterpieces for updates and to keep an eye out for the next episode. They drop every week on your favorite podcast platform. If you prefer to listen on YouTube, you can find episodes there on Well, about two weeks after each episode is posted. Cheers and see you for the next episode.